The McRib is back. Yay. Yay. I've never had it. I've also never had one. But it's like a deliberate thing. Like I am. I mean, I'm not going out of my way not to have it. I'm just not having it. Yeah. I, you know, like I've gotten this far along in my life without experiencing the McRib that at this point, it almost feels like it would be an exercise in, I don't know what, but it seems like the right thing to do is to stay the course (laughs) and not put that inside of my body. You're, you're McSteadfast. Hmm. Yeah, I'm McResolute. Hello, everybody. It's Friday, December 4th, and welcome to Quick Save, the saving content podcast. I'm Evan Rowe. With me, as always, is Scott Ellison. Scott, how's it going, man? It's going great. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. It's December now, and... Things things are happening. It's almost Christmas time. Lights are going up. People are being like excited about things despite everything else. So it's it's good to see. You do love to see it. I love to see it. We have lights up on the house. We've yeah. been been going all out. It's like this is the year where everything's terrible. And so what better way to help yourself forget about how awful all of the other things are? than to put a whole bunch of lights on your house, maybe more than you ever have before, and maybe also let Christmas vomit inside as uh-huh. well. Yeah. 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 So you gotta do it for the kids. Uh, yeah, no, it's definitely for the kids. Not not for us at all. No, no. Um, I mean, but I'm, <laughs> I'm seeing like neighbors and people who have not decorated uh, in prior years suddenly putting up stuff now that I, you know, I wish they would have done it before, but you know, hey. Yeah, it's a shame somewhere. that it takes a global pandemic to get the freaking Grinches on the street to finally put some damn lights up on their house. But <laughs> you know what? I'm glad that they're finally here at the party. <laughs> it's been the same thing in our neighborhood. Like, it's there's so many more houses putting lights up, which is great. But where have you all been? <laughs> yep. And like, I don't know. It's like, look, whatever. Happy you you're here, but come on. Yeah, it's 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 pretty low effort. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I get it. Some people have their reasons. I understand. But for people who whose only reason has ever been just like, eh, I don't feel like it. Uh, it's too much wake. Then perhaps perhaps this is a good excuse to stop being lazy. Yeah. Now's the time. Yeah, sure is. You know, uh, we actually got our, our lights up on the house. We started getting lights up on the house prior to the Thanksgiving week. Uh, okay so we were super early and then we've been adding more and more stuff uh and then we were really on top of things because we went out and got a tree like the day after thanksgiving which we never do um and that was kind of nice but also we may have participated in online sales way more than we ever have before also i don't know if that's true for you but uh well so we did the christmas thing as well uh we have always done like getting the tree putting up christmas stuff on you know the day after thanksgiving that's that's kind of our thing nice Um, but all of our neighbors were were doing stuff like prior to thanksgiving which was really interesting um 
but we we did this time uh, partake in a sales uh, long weekend. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I like how we're both doing everything we can not to say Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Or Cyber 5, for that oh, matter. Oh, God! Why would you do that? How, I feel how like those... You? Those three phrases are like invoking oh, something. Oh God, the Cyber Five in particular just sounds like you're summoning the absolute worst of capitalism <laughs> and also terrible marketing. Ugh. I the, the uh, Cyber is, Five is, is Cyber Five new this year? Because I swear I, I haven't so. heard it before. I think it is right because because so many uh, retailers transition to online only. Yeah, man. Anyway, what'd you get? Did you get anything cool? Uh, no, not really. I mean, like, we don't participate ever, really. Um, But this time, it was just like, oh, hey, OLEDs are on sale. You want to buy one? Yeah, well, let's do that. Okay. It was was the most (laughs) nonchalant, like, casual conversation about buying an expensive electronic that we've ever had. And we we did. They do be getting easier, though, don't they? Oh, man. Uh, It's weird. Yeah, but you're right. That does not sound like a cool purchase at all. No, it's. I mean, it's a it's a uh, 65 inch LG CX pedestrian, and, even. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just an OLED. I mean, whatever. Just a fancy TV. Who cares? Never had one before, so I mean. Well, now's the time, man. There's never been a better time, or a better price. It seems. Well, we could talk about the way that I got my OLED for probably less than it cost to make it, but... Oh, that's uh, right. <laughs> no one will ever get a better price on an OLED television than I did. Um, the steal of the century. I mean, that's that's a, that's a side story worth telling. Um, yeah. So I'd had my eyes on the LG OLEDs. This was like two years ago now. Um, I'd had my eyes on them since they'd come out, and I knew I really wanted one. And... Uh, Obviously, they, especially two, two and a half years ago, they were way more expensive and like you couldn't get one for less than 2000 at a mm. decent size. Um, anyway, so the short version is uh, good old Wario 64 on Twitter uh, started tweeting out like this weird coupon glitch that Target had going on where it was this insane way of getting coupon codes through Target Circle, which is not a coupon thing that they even do anymore. They've changed that program. But Gee, I wonder why. um so now you could you could text a phone number you could text a six digit code to a phone number and get a link back that would generate a 15 percent off coupon there were six of these different unique codes that you could text there was also a code for a 20 dollars off anything over a hundred dollars all of these coupons stacked so you could fill your cart with six of these 15% off coupons plus the $20 off, which depending on what you're getting is almost inconsequential by comparison. Right. Yeah. Um, so, but like, and it, this, these codes worked on almost everything with a few brand exceptions. Like you couldn't get Nintendo stuff. Okay. Why is it every time, every time I sit down to record and I start drinking tea, like I just need to constantly burp. This is the worst. Anyway. Um, <sighs> I, like you can, I know you can hear it on the recording, which is the best part. So hey, there you go. You're that's swallowing happening. them, so I mean, that's I'm, oh, yeah, I'm eating them, but it doesn't feel good. Uh, <laughs> so I went on there and I was like, man, I've been wanting to get a new TV anyway. 
uh, and this seemed like the perfect time. So I went in there, I stacked all the coupons, I threw an LG TV in the cart, and it was not an OLED at the time. I threw an LG TV in the cart, and it brought like a $600, $650 TV down to $199 or something ridiculous like that. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, this is great. And like, I'm, it's like 1045 at night. Like Ashley is about to fall asleep in the other room practically. And I'm like, Hey, can I buy a TV? It's really cheap. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, fine, whatever. And then as I'm about to go through checkout, I get a wild hair of an idea of like, let's see if target has any of the OLED TVs in stock, uh, anywhere. And, and this was the other things I think, um, I think you had to do order pickup for this to work. Um, oh, okay. and so sure enough, one of the targets in the Portland area had a few of them and I put it in the cart and it took a, so the TV was normally 2100 for a 55 inch and this was like a B7. Um, okay. so the, the rough, rough equivalent to a BX, um, a $2,100 TV at the time that was already discounted to about 1500 on sale. It took this $1,500 TV down to 600. It's <laughs> <laughs> so fucking stupid. Um, so I bought that. And they honored it. They did. They honored all. They honored every single purchase. Like people were going crazy on Twitter. It took them hours to like shut the thing off. And they honored basically everything that everyone bought, as long as it didn't violate the guidelines or like the you know the restrictions, uh, which was the best business decision if you're someone like Target, right? Like yeah. go ahead and just like it, you know own the screw up, give people the stuff. And like I swear, like I buy way more stuff there now since then. Uh, so <laughs> it worked. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so that's that's the cheapest you're going to get an OLED TV for legitimately. Um, I was convinced like the manager was going to come out and be like, nah, man, I can't give this to you. <laughs> Here, here's the receipt on your refund. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Here's a here's a chocolate bar. Uh, yeah. So but you you got a great deal on your 65 inch OLED television. Yeah, I'm satisfied. Uh, I, I keep saying CX. Um, but I do, I am aware that people say C10, uh, mostly oh, in, in like reviews, but whatever. It's like a Roman, I see it as a Roman numeral 10, but I'm still pronouncing it as an X. Like I, I get it, I get all of that, but I still say CX. I think you, I think that's just fine. I think anyone who wants to come at you for that probably could spend that energy better some other way. Oh, I'm sure. It's my but I take. at least want to, at least I want to acknowledge that I do know that it is also set as c10 but it's okay that's it's not for me well thank you for uh you know being very public about <laughs> about your stance on this i appreciate I wanna, you, I the transparency good good that's great uh, but no I'm, I'm satisfied it was a really good price uh it's coming it's coming uh what is it monday now and i'm good with that uh it's a little longer than i wanted but uh, I wasn't able to get it from a place that would get it to me faster. Uh, I kind of sat on it and mm -hmm. as, as casual as that conversation went, um, you I did waffled more, on that for, or not waffle. You agonized over that decision for a while. I did, but it was mostly because I kept like learning things about it. Mm. Uh, I did not realize. Don't uh, learn, just buy. I know. I did not realize though, upon, having an OLED that it was susceptible to burn in uh, similar to how plasmas did. That's why I never bought a plasma. Right. But that is true. They do do that. The more I looked into it though, like LG has added like mitigations within their own, 
operating system stuff. So mm-hmm. there's like cleanup utilities that run when it's off. There's manual stuff that you can run when it, when that's not enough. Yep. Um, but if you watch a lot of very or if you consume a lot of varied content, which we do, then you're probably fine, and that's never going to happen. Yeah, um, no, you should be fine. Like I remember that was a, that was really bad with some like plasma TVs and other older models of TVs with like, you know, if you only ever played Madden or Halo, right, for hours and hours and hours on end, like you'd see burn in on the screen of like where the the, the HUD elements would be. Yeah, but and you got to really be a little too hard into one thing for that to actually be a problem. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, like, the common tricks are, like, well, if it's that kind of game, if it's a FIFA, if it's a Rocket League, and that stuff is sitting on your screen, then just turn on Dynamic HUD stuff, where it goes away after a while, or just turn it off completely if you don't need it. Yep. So there's ways around that, but I I mean, I, I don't play Rocket League on a console. I don't play FIFA in any capacity. So, uh... My sports games that I do play are extremely limited. And I mean, I guess like in, in playing Spider-Man, the HUD elements do kind of, there are some static elements, but I, I'm not worried. I think um, you'll be just fine. So it was like things like that of just like learning about these things, learning what it can do, what I can do about it. What's people, what people's experience experiences have been. And uh, yeah, so it was just like me not having looked into OLED before, getting excited about it, but then learning things and then just holding on it. But then that was too much. So like places like Best Buy um, and other things like that, just they sold out. And the way the Best Buy Buy works is that you get it locally. Like you may be buying online, but you're still getting whatever local stock is available. Like you're not getting a warehouse in in California shipping you your TV, you're getting the one closest to you. Yep. So, yeah, uh, I I ended up finding a a very reputable place uh, here in Colorado Springs, and it'll be here Monday. So Congratulations. The the funny thing is, is when I got my email today, I skimmed it, right? Because that's what you do with emails that are pretty important of expensive things. Yeah, yeah, Uh, you pay as little attention as possible. But I decided to go back, and when I reread it for real, uh, I discovered that it said what I thought it said was uh, the day before your delivery will call you and confirm everything. Right. That's standard. But what it actually says is one day prior to delivery, you call us at this phone number during these times to confirm. What? Yes. Oh, that's horseshit. They're always supposed to call you. No, no, no. Oh. It's it's Sadie Hawkins at this place. Wow. Like, how many people get screwed by that, I wonder? I mean, surely they just chase you down. They're like, hey, you were supposed to call us. So, yeah. So call us back. Or <laughs> they just make deliver an anyway. with you right now. <laughs> yeah. No, you hang up. <laughs> no, no. I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy who takes the appointments. I'm the guy who reminds you that you need to call us back. My I hands are tied. I have access to that. I, I can't do anything. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's, 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 it's a really with two different thing. phone lines. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really interesting. I'm glad I caught that. Um, and that's a Thank very goodness. easy thing for me to do. I am not bothered by it, to be honest, but it's, it's a, just, it's so backwards and it's not what you'd expect. It's really weird. I've never 
I don't think I've ever had it go that way for any of the weird delivery service things that I've had to deal with. Well, that's exciting. Still, though, it's coming soon. Yeah. 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 So impressions on that forthcoming when that arrives and I spend some time with it. I am not psychic, but I anticipate that the impressions are going to be good. Yeah. Just a guess. All right. Yeah. There's a good story arc here between our podcasts because the first episode was me asking if I should get an OLED. Yep. And then last week you got a new TV. Well, so last week I said I was probably going to do it. I hadn't pulled the trigger yet. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But TV discussions, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and to that end, I did buy the TV. Um, I was like, well, and, if he's getting a new TV, maybe I should get a new TV. Yeah, no, I mean, we all know that's what's really going on here is, is you know, you said, well, Evan bought his TV, so now I got to do it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I ordered I ordered our TV from Costco, and I think it was on Thanksgiving Day that we ordered it, I want to say. And it was one of those things where like, oh, man, uh, this TV is back in stock, and Costco has it, and they're throwing a bunch of extra stuff in at the same price as Best Buy is selling it for without the extras. Um, so this would be stupid not to do it. Yeah. And I was, I was worried. I was like, well, maybe we should think about it for a day. Uh, and then I started realizing like, no, this is the sort of thing, like knowing that these were out of stock at most retailers earlier this month, they will go again. Um, so we, we decided to go for it. And then, uh, the next day I realized that we still needed to get like a new sound bar or sound system for the downstairs. So I ordered a Sonos sound bar for downstairs as well. <laughs> Uh, which that's going to come next week. Um, and then, so, so we bought the Samsung frame, right? A 65 inch one, uh, which I'm, I'm pretty excited for just cause I'm, I'm excited to upgrade in size. Um, I'm a little sad still to like not have an OLED TV in the upstairs room, but I think it'll be fine. Cause we're still going to use the OLED in like the, the media room. Uh-huh. Um, so whatever, but, uh, you know, they, one of the, the whole like design conceit with the frame TV is it like it's supposed to look like a piece of framed artwork or like it can blend in with framed artwork on the wall. Um, and it has a feature where it can show actual art from galleries or your own stuff on it. Uh, and it can like dim the brightness and make it look more like it's make it look slightly less like it's a screen. Um, oh, okay. And so Costco threw in like a hundred dollar, like year long subscription to Samsung's like art service. So this is like a thing you can, you could get like a limited number of art pieces to cycle through for free, but you can pay for an annual subscription to this thing where they, they work with famous museums and art galleries to bring in pieces. And so like, I don't know, we just got a free year of art for the TV, I guess. Um, (laughs) That's so weird to say. It's really strange. Uh, I don't think we'll probably pay for it after the first year because why would I, but Hey, you know, for a year we get free art or something. I don't know. But you can also customize the bezel color on it. Oh, neat. Yeah. So like, and, and when they first came out with this thing, there were only like three or four colors. It was like black or it was like black and white and then two wood tones. I want to say like a dark and a light one. And now they have all those plus a bunch of extra random colors. Like they were selling yellow and pink ones and like, like pastels. So it wasn't egregious, but you know, Mm kind of giving you some more customization options. So I ordered one of those for the TV because we knew we didn't want a black bezel. We wanted something like a warm, like ash wood tone um, to match some of the other wood tones in the room. And I was like, we got to order this now because if these TVs are getting sold through at the volume that I think they are, we're going to have a hell of a time tracking down a custom bezel kit for it. Um, And sure enough, like 
the the light wood colored one is the one that sells out the most frequently. Of course. Shock. Of course. So like Best Buy didn't have it. Samsung didn't have it directly. Amazon didn't or no. Uh, most of the places that didn't have them. Um, but we did find uh, a, a third party seller um, that had one. And so I had it shipped and that got here before anything did. And that's just sitting around like waiting for a TV to attach to. It's great. You, you got to love it. Oh, yeah, I love love having this bezel sitting around. And it's actually like it's pieces of a, that make up the bezel and they just snap on magnetically to the edge of the TV. It's very cool. That's really smart. Yeah, it is pretty smart. It's very smart, like Magnavox. But that's not a thing. <laughs> not um, anymore. No, sure ain't. Uh, yeah, we don't normally participate in in this like retail weekend either, but there were there were things that we had been eyeballing and and we knew that there were discounts coming like we bought some new rugs as well because there was a 20 percent discount on those uh like these modular floor tile rugs that that we like um okay do those come with custom bezels too yeah <laughs> the whole thing is a custom bezel that's the whole <laughs> point uh <laughs> let's see i feel like there was something else that we ordered but i don't know it doesn't matter we, we spent too much money but i'm it's fine um yeah it was weird because uh, I, I bought another smart outlet, like a Wemo smart plug, like one of yeah, the Wi-Fi yeah. things for home automation, because I like to have the Christmas tree hooked up to that so I can just automate when it turns on and off. Oh, so we, we actually have, so uh, Nicole went out and got this wireless one. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what it is, it's not, it's not like Wi-Fi smart enabled, but what it is, is it's got this really big lever. Uh, <laughs> that go uh, on there's this christmas like it's a very it's a christmas thing where you've got this lever of on off switch so when you you flip it to the on position it it flashes lights on this big box and it plays music and then like after the little ditty is done the christmas tree lights up wow that is that is something is it like a big ceremony in the house every day when it's time to turn the christmas tree on uh no not really because either the the kids will just randomly turn it on during the day or mm. or something to that effect it just kind of <laughs> comes on at some point and then you hear the music and so everybody just kind of knows it's happening i see but it is just a really uh neat uh option of of, of turning on the lights that sure is gives you some feedback rather than just like pressing something on your phone but I will say of all the lights that we have inside the house, I wish I had uh, smart plugs to just control all of them because going around and plugging in each one, one is bound to get missed. And then yeah. it, you have to make a decision like several hours into having all the other lights on. Do I want to bother just plugging this one in for a couple more hours or just leave it? You're right. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the tricky thing. I would love to do some more, like way more smart home automation than we have, but, um, it's, it's a slow thing. Um, anyway, so I, I, I got another, like, this is the second smart plug I've ever purchased. Um, and I only, I bought the last one last year on black Friday. Cause I also got that one for cheap. And so I got this one for cheap. Um, and I went to Best Buy to pick it up. And I didn't really think it through because I ordered it on like Saturday. And then I drove to pick it up on Monday evening at like 630, 
which it turns out is a very bad time to do curbside pickup at Best Buy if that Monday oh. happens to be Cyber Monday. Weird. Uh, yeah, right? So weird. Um, every single slot, except for the one that I pulled into, was full. And then I looked over across the parking aisle to realize they had, like, set up temporary additional curbside pickup parking spots, like another 10 of them. And I was like, ah, shit, this is this is a mistake. And I checked in and like normally they get something out to you within five minutes and they say within 10. And I think I sat there for 25 minutes watching TV after TV after TV <laughs> get run out to cars. And I was like, yep, OK, it's that's that's the day that it is. Uh, and then finally, this guy just walks out with this tiny little box and he says, oh, there's your smart plug. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> Y'all can't like, you know, carry a bunch of small items out together. That's that's not like, you know, you think you'd be a little more efficient about this. We don't want to mix things up and you accidentally get a TV with your smart plug. Oh, God, no. no. Never mind the fact that every item has a giant red tag on it with the name of the customer who bought it. So it's kind of impossible to screw that up. Uh, and literally every other retailer who I've done curbside pickup with, whether it's the grocery store, whether it's Target, whether it's Home Depot, they all will send runners out with multiple cars worth of stuff if they can. So I don't know what Best Buy is doing here, but they got to get their shit together. I'm surprised you didn't cart it out. Oh, my God. Can you imagine just a big, giant shopping cart with a tiny, like, three inch by three inch box? <sighs> Wouldn't put it past them. Anyway, no. um, yeah, tis the season to, to spend too much money and splurge and engage with dollars. <laughs> uh, do you have any? Uh, I, I'm ready to be done talking about this now that I think about it. It's kind of embarrassing a little bit, no? Yep, yep, no. I, I feel I feel embarrassed about my actions. And my, I am ashamed of my words and deeds. <laughs> uh, what have you been playing recently, Scott? Um, a, a smattering of stuff, if you will. Ooh, I love a good smatter. Uh, so I kind of want to... I don't want to spend too much time on this because I don't think it deserves it. Okay. Um, but come with me. Come with me into the bash corner. Ooh, we should have music for this yeah it's a new segment it needs a little a little uh three seconds three seconds stinger yeah yeah we'll we'll get on that uh godfall Mm -hmm. uh that's that's a game that came out recently there's there's jokes uh about the naming that you could say um (laughs) i could try one go for it these gods have really fallen yeah. From Grace. Yeah. I don't know yet. They never had the Grace. I don't know. Ooh. Uh, so this comes from Gearbox Publishing. So this is not Gearbox Software doing the actual developing. Uh, the developer is Counterplay Games. And I, as far as, I mean, I've not researched it very heavily. But as far as I can tell, I think this is their first game. Um, or at least like their intended breakout hit. Yeah. And uh, it's it's not a hit. Swing and a miss, if you will. This game is super duper pretty. It is the prettiest game I have seen. It is like the flashiest game. It is like the most next gen looking game, but it is so hollow. I've I've heard it described as very shiny. Yeah, every every surface that can be shiny is shiny. I don't know who's running around with the Brasso, but they have gone nuts. 
<laughs> uh, it says here, Godfall is a loot-driven action RPG focusing on third-person real-time melee combat. This this is true. Uh, it's a it's, yeah. No, continue. So I mean, the things that would kind of come to mind in a in a game like this is it's kind of like a like a little more personal, like Diablo, like because the camera is zoomed in. You're, it's it's a very tight camera, by the way. Diablo, uh, but, yeah. But like, it's going for like this Diablo thing. It's loot systems. It's you know like. I mean, the combat kind of takes a, a different stance than than Diablo, but like you kind of get like a bit of Warframe in there. You get you get just all these different kind of games. Of, I mean, you can't even call it a looter shooter because there's no shooting, there's no ranged attacks a, here. But it, it is like in that vein. Smasher. Yeah, yeah. Looter. I don't know. I can't think of another word that rhymes, but. It's just really unimpressive when you actually go to start playing it. And the funny thing is, is like, I got access to the game, uh, and I started playing it, and it there's this whole prologue thing, and I got a little ways into the prologue, and I, you know, I had to go do something else or whatever, and I stopped playing it, and then I was like, oh, I need to get back to this game, and I was like, eh. Wait. do i though <laughs> but here's the thing is like i didn't think anything of it at the time i was just like oh i must not be in the mood for it but then when i did go back and play it i was like huh and hmm. one one my progress was reset a little further back than i thought Ew. so uh i was redoing things that i didn't necessarily want to do again and I finally made it to the end of the prologue and started the the next mission, like the, or like the first proper mission. Mm-hmm. And then things really went off the rails, and and like I was really able to see like what this game was or what it was doing, and I just didn't like it. And so really, what I learned was like my hesitation to start playing again was for a reason. Like it was. My mind and body was telling me something, and I just needed to listen to it. <laughs> it was, uh, your your body was rejecting <laughs> the specimen. It was rejecting the Godfall. Um, God, man, like th- there are systems in there that seem cool, but there's no hit feedback that makes sense. Like it when you issue attacks onto an enemy, it feels like like you're hitting paper mm. like the, it doesn't feel weighty it doesn't feel like anything that you're doing is impactful and it's just it is just such a hollow experience like the leveling up the the items that you equip the it i see what they're going for it just doesn't it never amounts to anything like that you care about Ugh. And I mean, so, it sounds like it's just superficial across the board, right? Yeah. And like, I've heard people come to its defense and it's like, oh, it's, you know, it's the mindless game. It's, it's the, it's the game where you can put on a podcast or a stream and play it or whatever. And like, we got plenty of those that don't there, suck. There are plenty of those, but this is still a bad one of those. This is a yeah. bad mindless. This is the worst kind of mindless game that you would want to play. Uh, that's, it's not good. It's no. not what you want to hear if you're interested in Godfall. I don't think it's really going to be able to be saved in, it, in the way that it is without like a major overhaul to systems and 
mechanics mm. and things like that. I just, I mean, if you're enjoying it, that's great. It just, it is way too hollow for me. And I, I'm done. Yeah. I mean, I feel like even in a, in the context of a mindless game, you want something that's got some kind of substance and quality. Like there's a, there's a threshold you have to hit at least. There needs to be some sort of hook still. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it just doesn't have that. And then that was evident from, from the prologue. I mean, prologues are never, or well, not never, but the, for the most part, a prologue can go either way. You know, it can be like the most exciting thing and that's what gets you in and maybe everything else after is not good. But sometimes right. a prologue cannot be great because it's trying to do too much to kind of show you what the whole game will be. And it's cramming too much at once. And so you're turned off by it. But then once you get past it, the rest of the game is good. This is just bad top to bottom. I mean, I've Oof. not spent a lot of time with it. But I mean, if after two hours you can't get your hooks into me, then that's that's not on me. Yeah, I feel like that's that's more than enough time for any game to really kind of put itself out there and show you what could be in store. Like it, if you're not sold by then, then something is very wrong. And, and they've either really whiffed by putting all the good stuff, like an extra 30 or, you know, 60 minutes later, which is a huge mistake or more likely it's just never going to get better. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I am a type where I can recognize if a game is either not for me or it's not good. I've done, sure. I've been doing this a long time, <laughs> like in terms of like reviews, but right. I've also been playing games for long enough to also make that determination aside from reviews. And yeah, I mean, that comes with age and, you know, being an adult and really kind of like understanding those systems. But this is just a bad game. This is just not like it not meeting my preferences. It's, it's a bad game. Well, that's unfortunate for them <laughs> yeah uh well okay so so that sounds bad yeah so let's get to good stuff um, let's get to some good stuff i've uh dove back into assassin's creed odyssey uh, is, it, is that a is that, is that an assassin's creed pun that you just rolled in there not really but i i see how i could have done that and I'm, we'll, we'll pretend it was intentional. Moving on. I'm smirking at myself. <laughs> you dove into Assassin's Creed and... Uh, so Odyssey was a game that um, I actually got for free and not for review purposes, but because I partook in the Google... Or no, what do they call it? Project, it like Str- a, Project Stream? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so I, I took part in that whole thing where I tested Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It was the only game... Uh, as part of Google's project stream, which would turn into Google Stadia. And when that test was over, uh, they rewarded me with the game on Uplay, which is now Ubisoft Connect. So basically it's the PC version. And at that time I had a GTX 1080 and and an older CPU and that game just did not run well for me. I really couldn't get the settings dialed in to even get it just over 60 frames per second reliably. So I kind of just shelved that game for a while. And so this year I built a new PC and I followed some guides to do some optimizations because even having a brand new PC, this game does not run 
with everything maxed without it taking a massive performance hit, which would take me under 60 frames per second, which is kind of weird, but I mean, this is, this is a theme of Ubisoft games on PC. But once right. I, got, I got everything dialed in, uh, I've been having a lot of fun with it. And really the catalyst of me getting back into Odyssey, not only was because I got the game and then I ended up buying the DLC at some point, either this year or maybe last year. So I kind of want to see all of that stuff through because like the DLC like uh, goes to Atlantis. So they really start getting into the mythology of yeah. things. So I really want to get to that. But the, the real catalyst to everything was that Valhalla came out. And I also have access to that. And I started it and was just like yeah i really need to to finish odyssey i'm i'm not a completionist in the sense of like i have to 100 percent games but i do i'm a completionist in the sense that i need to complete the prior games before i start a new one. Oh boy yeah i'm one of those <laughs> that's that's rough for that series in particular it is and i i've been i've always been kind of behind in the series like whenever the new one comes out i'm still like i either haven't bought or i haven't played the one prior I've gotten pretty caught up, but I guess with Odyssey, I kind of got back into old habits. But so I put a lot of time into Odyssey this this weekend, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, people loved that game when it came out. It's it was supposedly like I don't know. I, I feel like for as much praise as Origins got for changing the direction of the series in some positive ways, it sounded like Odyssey was the one that actually got the formula even more correct and and like really made that stuff connect well for sure and it, it refines all of the systems and it's it does a really interesting thing because there are like defined main quests and side quests and they break them out in different ways like your odyssey is the main quest and then there's like world quests there's character quests and and things like that that kind of break out like what would be deemed as side quests but the way that they are, they're not interwoven like storyline wise, but they, they kind of bleed into one another because there will be level requirements on certain missions. So you feel compelled to do the other side quests to, you know, gain that extra XP to, um, and you can see like what rewards are a part of each uh, quest as well. So if you see like, XP or gold or like maybe a new uh, armor item or whatever, like though like those are drivers to go complete those missions. So you are just trying to do everything that you can. Every quest you can find, you'll accept. Every like it is just the weirdest thing because with something like The Witcher Three, I pretty much mainlined it. Like I did some of the side quests, but I didn't do all of them. Um, there, there was plenty of question marks left on my map in Witcher 3 that I never uncovered. But with Odyssey, I am pretty much going after everything I can find. And the map is not small. There's a good portion that's like you have to traverse by water. There's a bunch of stuff by land to do. Um, you've got... So one of the systems is mercenaries and mercenaries are basically the cops. So if you are murdering uh, people that have, have witnessed you, they'll report you. And mm -hmm. then 
there will be a bounty put on your head and then a mercenary will come to collect that bounty. And when you kill the mercenary, it has the um, Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War uh, kind of system where when you kill them, someone just comes and takes their place. So yeah, a nemesis-ish system. Right. But I didn't quite realize that for a while. So I thought... I thought I was clearing out a set number of mercenaries. Oh, no. But I was not. You were not. You, You were on a treadmill. So... Now what I'm doing, you can actually find, like, it'll mark who the the person who called your bounty is, and you can go find them and kill them, and it'll wipe the slate clean, or you can just pay them off, uh, which uh, uh, the killing has to be done in person, but the paying off you can do from the map screen. Oh, fantastic. So that's, <laughs> that's really cool. Uh, but I'm having a lot of fun. I'm playing as Cassandra. She is awesome. I've heard and, she's great. Uh, because uh, I forget what the male's name is. It also starts with a K. Yeah, but no one talks about him. Because he's bad. He's he's a dweeb. I I don't don't want to deal with that dude. Do you do you think that that was a deliberate choice? Uh, like they, like they intentionally steal... made him bad. Yeah. Oh, uh, Alexios is his name. Alexios. I thought it started with a K. I did too. Yeah. Like, do they intentionally make him like lame or, or weird or just like less cool so that people would be more inclined to play as Cassandra? I wonder. I I don't know. I mean, if if or they did, just a flat it worked. Or maybe it's that. I don't know. It's just when I had the choice, the choice was clear, and Cassandra. So far, in the 25 hours that I've played this game, in total, not just this weekend, uh, has been a pleasure. She is awesome. I'm having her sleep with anyone and everyone that she comes across. Yeah, Um, get it, girl. I am flirting with everyone. (laughs) It is working out great. Awesome. Making friends everywhere. Yeah, I'm I'm uniting Greece in (laughs) one giant orgy. Well, I mean, that's that's on brand. Congratulations. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I, I do recommend it. Like if if like for whatever reason you can't get Valhalla and I'll get to that in just a moment. If you can't get Valhalla right now or you are kind of backlogged the same way I am, definitely play Origins, but uh Odyssey is definitely worth picking up. Especially if you can get it with all the DLC. I've not experienced it, but there's kind of no reason not to. I mean, it was just on the deepest of discounts uh, all weekend. And by the time this 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 episode hits, I doubt that'll still be the case. But uh, like you could get the gold edition with um, with all the DLC, right? For 23 bucks, I want to say. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. So you can see how long Epic's store goes or uh, how long their sale is going. (laughs) December 3rd. So yeah, no, that'll, it's by the gone. time y'all hear this, it's gone. You missed it. There will you, be, you blew it. there will be other sales. I, I presume that there will be a holiday sale. Oh yeah. There's always a post Christmas sale on all the stores. So if you missed the good price this month, just give it a month and you can get Odyssey for cheap. So what I wanted to know, so I had started Valhalla and I, I have actually gone back to it 
this week because I put so much time into Odyssey. Now I would be able to see what the differences are because there's a a thing where people can say, Oh, it's just the same game. Copy and paste it every year. (laughs) Oh, it's just the same game. Copy and paste it every year. Oh, just like that. That's what they say. That's how they say it too. That's exactly how they say it. Uh, But they'd be wrong. It's not. I mean, there is a like, you know, a thread that kind of it follows in in terms of like what the gameplay is going to be like. But really, there are a lot of deviations, and and part of that is uh, different developers, right? So mm-hmm. the team that that made uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey went on to make Immortals: Phoenix Rising, right? Uh, the developers who made Valhalla, I do not know. You can probably double check me while I'm talking. I can. Uh, I don't know what they, which game they made prior to. I don't know if it was Origins or not, but there are clear differences between what Odyssey is and what Valhalla is, and most definitely what Valhalla is and what Origins is. Um, and Valhalla goes for... They were both Ubisoft Montreal. Had a, it, they had interesting. Both of them. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, there's so many other teams that it's kind of hard to tell, like who actually is involved in yeah. these things. But uh, but that's my understanding is that Valhalla is like a different set of people that kind of came up with the design that did not work on Odyssey. Right. No, I mean, you know, yeah, like it, there are so there's so many Ubisoft studios and I think kind of since the very first Assassin's Creed game, they've talked about how it's been a global effort across many of their studios worldwide to make these games come together. And so like even I don't even know how accurate it is to say that Ubisoft Montreal is solely responsible for any one no. of those games, right? Cuz you know, they might they might be the the lead studio credit on all of them because um i don't know let's say uh i don't know if montreal maybe that maybe that was a studio that where the series originated but um like if i look at odyssey montreal is credited but also i see singapore i see quebec i see milan and i don't see i see toronto shanghai quebec ukraine on uh origins and valhalla so it's a lot of the same studios there odyssey is a slightly different makeup Interesting. yeah yeah so i mean that that being said though you can you can feel the differences it is not the same game uh i mean so when i say this it's going to be like okay it's really not that different but it, it does feel different and so there are no side quests in valhalla Mm hmm um they they opt for what are called world events okay so these are very early in the game so the, these are spoilers in the like truest sense but mm-hmm. uh these are just very early game spoilers like I, i'm still in uh norway i believe is where i start which makes sense uh, it does so i'm still in norway i have not embarked to england i think i'm very close to being able to do that but i've chosen not to um one of the earliest world events is me coming across a guy who has carried multiple like a dozen boxes of wine up to this like summit and he wants to appease the gods but he has to throw the boxes of wine off 
the summit in order to make them happy. And he asks for my assistance. So I toss them all off. And like there's some witty uh, conversation that, that ensues. But at the end of it, dude tosses himself off the summit. Oh, jeez. <laughs> he sacrifices himself and there's nothing you can do. Oh, no. Uh, another one that I came across right after it was uh, one of my scouts who like is part of my clan uh, was sleeping. And I go to wake him up, but he won't like respond to me as I'm talking to him. But he's muttering things to himself. Turns out he's sleepwalking. And he like jumps on the zip line and rides it all the way to the end. And that's what wakes him up. And that's it. Like there's no real story there. It's just dude sleepwalks. That's just a thing he does. And then hmm. he wakes up. So okay. there's no real side quest to, to be had it's just like these events that occur that you either kind of take part of or you just kind of watch unfold and i i know that there's a lot more probably exciting ones than, than those but the the real meat of the game is is you know the the main quest stuff and that like your story uh, as a viking and you can choose to be a male or a female uh, but you are the same character. So right. it's, it's Eivor still is Eivor the character. Either way, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I chose yeah. the female um, because the uh, the male version looked like a chud. So that. So I went with female again. And well, and, well so I, go ahead. I, I usually. So I, I kind of want to point out that I usually don't pick females, but I have in the past Assassin's Creed games because not only are they badass, but like. They're just kind of the most appealing in in terms of like actual characters. Like right. these characters are seem to be more fleshed out or more interesting. Um, and I otherwise like if I'm creating my own character, I do kind of go for like a facsimile of myself or mm-hmm. some variant of that. Mm-hmm. But here it it felt appropriate to go with with female Ivor. Well, and and so there was this thing where like. You know, Ivor as a man was fe- is featured on the game's like box art, yep, and and the key art. But I, I've heard that the game kind of gives you the there's like a couple different options for how you want to choose which version of Ivor you're playing as. And if you pick the like, for lack of a better term, the default option, yeah, there um, is a middle of the road option, right? Uh, then it effectively has you playing as the woman. Uh, version of Ivor, um, I, yeah, right. Like that. That's kind of like what they were saying is the canonical uh, way to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that that's actually the way to go. Uh, she's super interesting, and I just like the way she talks. I like the way she carries herself, and, and uh, you know, the dialogue is probably like one to one. Right. But it's just the presentation of it is so much better. So what I was able to actually discover in playing Odyssey and Valhalla back to back is they're going for very different vibes. So Origins and Odyssey, I think, can be grouped into being like a Witcher Mm 3-like where you have question marks on the map to uncover. You've got clearly defined main missions and side missions to take on and they can be very involved they can be 
not very involved, but there's always dialogue. It's like, that's the way those go. Right. This one, Valhalla, is going for Red Dead Redemption 2 vibes. Oh, interesting. And how it's doing its open world. So yes, you are still doing, you know, the the scouting on top of tall things to synchronize and things like that. Because, you know, there is still an Abstergo. There is still like this real world modern day thing going on. But in terms of like the gameplay presentation, there are no question marks. There are colored dots. They are broken up by gold being oh, wealth. That's weird. Uh, white being uh, uh, what are they called Uh, I hate that it escapes me but it's basically um, not wealth but god damn it what what word am I trying to think of spit words out at me oh gosh I don't know like how do we even categorize these things food no Uh, not food they're treasures of popularity they're treasures of uh, a kind like they're okay. they're weapons or things that are kind of just oh, like I lost see. you you are so finding different categories of loot effectively yeah yeah so like you're finding these things and then you've got your mysteries which are the side quests and those are your colored dots that's it and I see. you just go to them and then they uncover but it's very much in the way that Red Dead Redemption 2 handle handles it and I'm saying 2 very specifically because of the way right the map uncovers, like the way the fog of war works, mm-hmm. the way, uh, you know, like just there are things over there and you need to go find them and they're not so clearly defined as to what they are. Right. And, and I, I'm guessing that's deliberate to encourage more intentional exploration. Yeah. And it, it seems to fit the Viking uh, theme that that it has in a way that I think like the Greek mythology and the Egyptian stuff before it was doing uh, where like you are part of a clan, you are doing this natural exploration. You are, you know, uh, needing to eat, uh, to replenish mm. health, mm-hmm. which is a system I'm not bothered by. I thought it was going to be oh, a thing, good. but it's actually not. Uh, it's yeah. When they talked about plentiful. that, I thought for sure it was going to be like, oh, God, they're going survival light and this is going to be a whole pain in the butt mechanic. And I don't even want to engage with this, but it sounds like maybe it's not too bad. It's not. So it it doesn't do the full Red Dead Redemption thing where like you have to eat certain things that will give you buffs or replenish things. It's just that's just how you get your health back. But there's tons you you pick berries and stuff from bushes and there's a ton of them everywhere, even in boss battles there's they exist and you you have like a satchel that you hold and you know if that's full then you can just pick it right off and just eat right away or you can pull from the satchel whatever it's fine it is not as bad as i thought it was going to be and it's a system i can totally deal with you also have stamina this time which i'm less enthused about but it's also fine uh, you just have to be a little more conservative. So the way that I play Odyssey is like I dash constantly. I am dashing out of the way left and right. I am, you know, I'm just never having to concern myself with that. Like Dark Souls, that's a thing like you can't do. Right. So in that way, that's kind of where like Dark Souls kind of comes into is because like 
you've always been like in or starting with origins you've always been able to lock on to enemies like that's been the thing which has been a tremendous help during combat but here like you start to feel like the dark souls kind of in it when you have stamina to be concerned about and you're like you're you're eating berries from a satchel and you're you're locked onto an enemy in a boss battle like that is it's not going for dark souls in a lot of ways but it's reminiscent of that so valhalla is a game that i i don't think i'm gonna really truly get to this year um just because of how massive odyssey is and and my compulsion to want to finish it Mm -hmm. so it's disappointing to me that i can't spend more time with it because it is really exciting for what it is and i think it would land pretty high in my top 10 if i were to actually put some serious time into it (laughs) so if you weren't considering it i think maybe you should yeah i mean i i would say that it's the of the the most recent set of assassin's creed games and really probably actually of any assassin's creed game since i don't know black flag it's probably like valhalla looked like the one that i was going to be most interested in okay uh, and i and i was getting pretty excited for it and then you know november hit and there's just been too many other games to play for review and other things and like i'll get to it eventually um, yeah. but it, it does seem like it i don't know it seems like it, if you're looking to get back into the series after being away for a long time like myself perhaps it's a good jumping back in point yeah i mean it's very different so i mean i guess i mean they're all different these these three historical assassin's creed games uh oh and valhalla actually kind of starts getting back into the uh assassin's order kind of mentality because like with origins obviously you're starting with kind of the birth of the creed and odyssey (laughs) the odyssey is you know it's kind of vaguely tangentially associated but it is very not direct got it valhalla starts like really starting to hone in that hone in on that because of the timeline because now it's actually very close to when um the original assassin's creed starts which is during the medieval ages right so it is now starting to kind of i don't know what the plans are for the series but i am from what i can tell just from the outside looking in that it, it seems like these three games were are meant to kind of fill in a historical gap and we're not really going to see anything go historical again not in, not in this way interesting and it's weird to say historical but it's because the whole that's like the the crux of the entire thing but historical in the sense that it's predating the original timeline right of the very first assassin's creed where yeah it's doing the dark ages medieval ages thing got it uh hmm. And so, like, for the last thing that I've been playing, I, I also played a bunch of Black Ops multiplayer over the weekend because oh, sure. it, it was double XP everything. And they added the uh, Nuketown 1984 map, which anybody who's played a Treyarch multiplayer game, uh, I, th- I guess it's been only uh, in the Black Ops games, uh, Nuketown is a favorite it is very well designed. It is a small map, so kills are very easy to come by. It's like it's the name in in Black Ops maps. Yeah, like when you think of 
Black Ops, you can't have that game without Nuketown. And so it did launch without it, but it only took like not even two weeks for it to make it into the game. So it, w it was not a very long wait to get Nuketown. And this version is really good. Hmm. Uh, so I was playing that a lot because because of the double XP weekend and the nature of that map, it allowed me to not only level my character up or my account up, but also the the weapons that I was using or the weapons that I wanted to use but were very low level. And uh, I've I've gotten many a clip, uh, getting an insane number of kills. Yeah, and it's you... hilarious because what I ended up doing is through the through the course of playing, I was playing with a sniper, which I typically don't do in Call of Duty games because I've just never been good at it. But Black Ops kind of makes it easy, and it's really satisfying. So I had kind of created a a sniper that was only using a, uh, a, uh, a red dot. So I had no zoom, but I had all the power of a sniper rifle. And I've got a clip on, on my personal YouTube channel of just getting kill after kill after kill. And I was actually strategically placed behind another player on my team who would actually send like maybe one or two bullets and I would finish them off with my sniper round. Mm -hmm. So I just was racking up kills. I it was it was hilariously good. Nice. Yeah, you were you were sending the clips my way frequently. It's really and satisfying. It's we we is. we need to play that map. Yeah, we should soon. But One uh, day. but that's 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 it for me. Uh just okay. long long form games for me right now. Yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at in the release schedule. Uh, well, let's see. I, by contrast, have been playing less, um, <laughs> but but we'll talk about why later. Uh, for now, um, I I played the other other uh, open world Ubisoft action adventure title that came. Well, sorry, no, is about to come out. Slash, I guess is by the out? time this this comes out, it is out. Um, Immortals Phoenix Rising. Uh, we got that in for review uh, last week. Yep. Um, and I was able to play it on stream uh, last Friday evening, um, which was kind of fun uh, just to get to do some early content preview. Um, and uh, one of the developers from Ubisoft Quebec actually came by and hung out in the chat, which was really cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so. Uh, you kind of mentioned this earlier uh, when you were talking about Assassin's Creed Odyssey, but Immortals Phoenix Rising is it is another, you know, kind of Ubisoft open world game. Um, and the team that made this, which originally you may know by the name Gods and Monsters, that was like the, the, uh, the name it was being marketed under for a while. Mm -hmm. um, they got the idea for this while they were working on Odyssey. And they thought, man, um, Ancient Greece is, is really cool. And boy, it would be awesome if we could make a game that was more like diving deeper into Greek mythology and was maybe less rooted in reality. And sure enough, they went ahead and just made that game. Um, and so our review of this is up on the site. So I'm going to try not to repeat too much of what I say there. Um, I, I'd recommend reading that to get my thoughts. But like, so Ubisoft came out with three of these big 
giant open world games in the span of six weeks, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Watch Dogs Legion at the end of October, Assassin's Creed Valhalla on November 10th, and now Immortals on December 3rd. Um, like, it's a really compact, compressed schedule or timeline to be releasing all these ga- these three games, which are really similar uh, in a lot of ways. And obviously, they're, I don't know, it's it, they're so weird because, like, a lot of the elements of the formula are very similar across right. the three of them. But obviously, the settings are different. The themes and tones are different. Some mechanics are different enough. Like, you, you can see why, like, they're not the same thing. And someone with enough time on their hands could absolutely play all three. But... For my, uh, you know, for where I'm at in my life, mm-hmm. um, you know, my time is precious and I, I can't, I have a really hard time committing to dumping 60 to 80 hours into a giant open world game. Um, like just on its face, that's, that's daunting to me. And it's not something that I can easily do because it basically means I have to shrug off anything else I'm playing until it's done, uh, or that it's going to take me four to five months to finish, um, which doesn't feel great. Um, Immortals is interesting to me because, you know, I think it's going to get maligned by some outlets and by some games press as being like, like kind of being open world adventure game light or or as being like, like not hardcore enough. But honestly, like the thing that is so appealing and interesting to me about it is that it takes this notion of like, what is, what is it that you think of when you think about Ubisoft's games, right? Especially their big open world adventures. And it, it really pairs a lot of things down and trims off a lot of the fat that you normally get with these games. Um, and, and kind of helps deliver a more focused experience. Um, I've, you know, I haven't finished the story yet, but I've read that it can be completed in like 25 ish hours, which is significantly less time than is required for the other two games that came out. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's if you just mainline the, like the main quest, not doing any of the side activities. Right. Exactly. Which, you know, most people aren't going to do, but what I do think is really smart about immortals is, um, it's not. So I don't know. I think they're kind of trending more this way in general, but it's not like an Assassin's Creed game where, uh, or like traditional Assassin's Creed games, which would litter the map with uh, objectives and stuff to do, right? Uh, and you climb up to a high point and you hit your Eagle Vision button and suddenly your map fills up with shit. Um, you know, there's still this notion of climbing up to high vantage points in Immortals, but that's mostly so that you just have a clear view of things. Um, and what happens when you hit those vantage points, which are very specific, right? They're these basically giant, um, like, I I don't even know what the right word to describe them is just colossal statues of some of these Greek gods. Monoliths Um, maybe perhaps. Well, you see, I I hear monolith and I just think of like the thing in the Utah desert that (laughs) appeared and disappeared. Uh, but yeah, like just the, the colossal, um, monuments maybe yeah um you climb up to the top of those and you get sections of the map like the region you're in will will kind of be revealed and that the fog on it goes away but it doesn't fill in points of interest for you you have to do that manually by um activating the farsight ability um and kind of scanning with your control stick and panning the camera around and and deliberately like when when your controller vibrates enough and the reticle glows and then like kind of uh 
like narrows down onto a point of focus it'll give you the option to like hit your trigger or whatever to reveal something and and you can expose like a treasure chest or a collectible or you know uh, a puzzle or some other thing to you right yeah um and when i first encountered that during the tutorial segment of the game uh really early on i i remember thinking to myself like ah geez like now not only do i still have to climb up these things but i have to actually find all the things to do like you've got to be kidding me and i very quickly realized that this is actually a brilliant design choice because it means that if you are the sort of person who enjoys checklist gaming and if you want to have a giant to-do list of things that you want to complete the game will let you do that you just have to build the list yourself yeah if you're more like me and and you have to be more judicious with how you spend your time you can choose to opt into as little of that as possible or engage with like the bare minimum in order to make sure you're progressing right so um i'm gonna backtrack a little bit to talk more about what this game actually is um and so a lot of people kind of have said like well it's assassin's creed meets breath of the wild and that's not a wholly inaccurate representation um you can really see where immortals wears its inspiration from breath of the wild uh breath of the wild um <laughs> uh, you know it's 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 a painterly animation visual style for the game which um it doesn't look like breath of the wild but it's it's you know similarly um not like hardcore photorealism in that way. Um, you like know, the, the most, is, the most we'll like ahead. Breath of the Wild that I've seen it be is like the grass. Yeah. Yep. That's the exact same thing that comes to mind immediately for me. And maybe like kind of some of the mountain regions in the distance, uh, like evoke some uh, of my memories of Breath of the Wild's map. But um, I don't know, like, there's some mechanical things that are really similar, like the way mounts work. Um, I feel like are pretty similar in terms of how you tame them and capture them. Um, the game has a similar concept uh, to, to Breath of the Wild's shrines. They're called uh, Tartarus Rifts. Um, and they're basically, they're, they're, they're little mini dungeons and you go into them and there's puzzles to solve and you have some abilities that are, not the same, but a few of them not totally dissimilar to some of the ones that you would have in that particular Zelda game. Um, and you, you have to solve puzzles to, to get the collectible at the end. And the collectible at the end is the currency that you use to upgrade, you know, some facet of your upgrade tree. Right. So there's, there's some parallels there. Um, and so that's, that's one of the more important like thing, like points of interest types to engage with as you're scanning the environment right like you might want to say well the tartarus vaults are the things that i i care about marking and, and actually persisting with um but running this game on a like brand new pc which um you know with a, with a 3080 in it and a decent processor like you can see to the end of the world in that game like when you're up at one of these high points and it is gorgeous right like the way that they chose to depict um, the golden isle, right? This representation of mythical Greece. Uh, it's just incredible. Like it's, it's just so pretty to look at all the time from every angle. Um, and being able to see so much detail studded across the landscape, uh, like all these different structures and vegetation and enemies running around at long distances. And it's just, it's really cool. It, it feels really alive, um, in a way that some of these games don't always, 
and and it's just the whole thing's super vibrant. Um, it's just yeah, it, it feels like. In, uh, this is like a weird comparison to make in 2020, but in a lot of ways, it feels like playing an animated feature film, um, hmm. it, which is, a t I think that that's intended to be a compliment to the graphical fidelity with this particular visual style, right? Like, yes, it's, it's not photorealistic. Yes, it's made to look more like animated quality, right? But it, it's excellent in terms of you know, the, the visual presentation. Um, tell me about Phoenix's mustache. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So there's a couple of things that they've done with the design of this game that I love that I think are really, really smart. Uh, and, and not just smart, but like, these are things that I think games need to just be doing always. I think every game needs to try and incorporate these ideas as much as possible. Um, the first one is the very first thing that you see when you load this game up is an accessibility options screen right? Uh, not just like your typical adjusting your brightness and contrast, but they show you colorblind options. They show you HUD scaling. They show you um, lots of different options to make the game more accessible to players who are differently abled. And uh, the fact that they put that kind of energy into not just making those features part of the game, but surfacing them from the get-go and making it clear to anyone who's playing that these options are available is brilliant. And it's, it's such... I think it's an important thing and it's immortals isn't the first game to take uh big steps in terms of making accessibility a, a, a top level consideration but um it's i just you know it's still a new enough thing that it's being featured so prominently that i think it's really exciting to see it featured um front and center and i say this as someone who is is you know fully abled right like i don't i don't really need assistive technologies in any way but I understand the importance of this and I think it's, it, it makes a huge difference for people who do need that stuff. So major props to the development team for that sip of water. Okay. Okay. Um, on a similar note, you, you know, after you set those things up, you'll see like the introductory story exposition stuff, like some cutscenes with, um, Typhon, the game's protagonist who, uh, is what the child of Gaia uh, and is depicted as this incredibly huge, you know, very scary looking multi-headed monster uh, made of fire and hatred. He's hot. <laughs> oh, he's so hot. Ooh. Mm. And smoldering. That, yeah. Yeah, baby. Um, and then kind of him setting like I haven't gotten far enough into the story to know really where the scene is coming from. But like this opening scene where he's, he's the villain monologuing at you feels like it's from later in the game and you're going to come back and see the scene again later. Um, but it, it does kind of do some stage setting in terms of like, Hey, uh, all the Greek gods are totally owned. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they've all been incapacitated and rendered useless. And Typhon is going to uh, exact his revenge on them for imprisoning him beneath the earth. So that's cool. Um, and so then we go to Zeus uh, visiting Prometheus, who's still chained to the top of that damn mountain. Um, if he just hadn't stolen that fire, you know, he would never be in this. I didn't ask for this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> ah, I see the. I see what you're doing there. Um, that's actually that's a that's really good. Oh, thank I you. I wonder if the. Do you think they thought of that? Oh man, maybe. Okay, so so what Scott is getting at is the voice actor for Prometheus in this game is the same actor who plays Adam Jensen in the Deus Ex, the more recent Deus Ex games. Um, and so 
yeah, the idea that that Prometheus who gets his liver eaten out by a giant bird every day is saying I didn't ask for this is oh, chef's kiss. That's fucking good. Um, I bet I, I hope you spent like an hour workshopping that in secret. I did. I did. I really did. <laughs> it's really good. Um, so Zeus goes to Prometheus and Zeus is like, hey, uh, so we're we're hosed and you can help me with this. Uh and Prometheus basically says, I think that the mortals can deal with this. Um, and if I win this wager that the mortals can dig their own way out, you have to rescind my punishment and set me free. And if I lose, then I'll help you. And so Zeus being very cocky or cocksure, uh, if you <laughs> want to use Typhon's terminology. You can't say that to teens. Uh, you can't say anything to teens. You can't say cocksure to teens. You can't say ass to teens. <sighs> But they but do in, it anyway. It's in the game. It's rated T for teen. You can get away with whatever you want. Um, so then Prometheus launches into a story about Phoenix, uh, who is the character you're playing as. And Zeus realizes, realizes very quickly that he's been had. Um, and so then we go to Phoenix on the beach, waking up from their boat crashing, and you enter the character creator. Uh, and this isn't like a full-on, you know, like Mass Effect level you know, fully custom character thing, right? You're choosing from uh, either a, a man or a woman version of Phoenix, and it's pretty like well stock in terms of the facial options. There's just four presets for both of them. They both look, they all look very similar uh, across both genders. Um, there's just some minor adjustments to facial structure, but generally speaking, it looks like the same character. Um, and then other than choosing which body type you want to use uh, and which of the four faces for each you want to use, all the rest of the customization options are uniform across everything else. So you can pick the same hairstyles for, you know, a man or a woman. You can pick, you can put beards on whoever you want, whatever kind of facial uh, hair that you'd like to use. You can, you can just put it on your character, which I think is phenomenal. Um, and... You can also choose whichever voice you want for whichever version of the character you play, which I think is also a great touch. Um, for sure. The 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 developer who was hanging out in the stream had even mentioned uh, that they had hoped to provide um, like facial customization as well. Like so, choosing whichever of the eight faces you wanted, as opposed to just like the four associated with each of the body types. Uh, but there were some technical limitations around that that they weren't able to get it in. But um, you know, they're, they're thinking about this stuff and they really want players to be able to express themselves in whatever they, what they want in the game. Um, for my part, uh, so the game defaults to playing Phoenix as a woman. The main character is, is, uh, like canonically a female, um, well, a woman, I should say. Um, and so I went with that and I customized a lot of, you know, things like her hairstyle and color and all that stuff. And I decided that my version of Phoenix was going to be like kind of a prankster, like, and that she somehow, like she is able to grow facial hair and she has a good sense of humor about it. Uh, and so, you know, for this adventure, she is like sporting a very like Tom Selleck mustache <laughs> <laughs> that she likes to call attention to at every opportunity. Um, this is my headcanon purely, uh, but it's really funny because there are some lines early on in the game where you're when you meet Hermes and he keeps making references to the character's face um, yeah. and like how weird the character's face looks, which is supposed to just be a dig at Phoenix and be like, oh, man, you're you're weird looking. But 
when it's, you know, when you've got this ridiculous mustache, which would look ridiculous regardless of which, you know, body type you had chosen. Um, it's just, it's very funny. Uh, it's and a it, good unintentional humor. There's another layer to it because they keep talking about a curse. And, right. and so you, <laughs> right. so, so you're a woman with a mustache. So there's like this underlying possibility that the curse is really just about the mustache and nothing else. Right. Exactly. And, and what we're really up against here as Phoenix is like, she is able to grow facial hair, not necessarily because she was born this way, but she's cursed to do so. And so she figures as long as she is cursed to grow facial facial hair, she may as well have a good time with it. That's that's my take. It's, um, it's a good one. Um, I've actually been playing it, too. I've, I've only been playing it over the past like day or so because I mm-hmm. just got code from Ubisoft as well. Yeah. And uh, so I'm I'm. I'm maybe like 30, 45 minutes past where you finish the stream mm-hmm. and I'm digging it. What's, what's really interesting to me though is like, yeah, there's like a lot of compression when it comes to YouTube videos and streams and whatnot, but I was really not prepared for how beautiful mm-hmm. and just like how gorgeous and vibrant this game is in motion, like in front of your eyes. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's, it's, I mean, I, I yeah, I, I would say it's stunning. It's, it's really, really pretty. I, I I have already taken, like, so th- this game has a photo mode, which, not new, <laughs> very standard these days, but... Always appreciated. You And you can hop, like, right into it, you click in both sticks, and you're there. Like, no loading, oh, no nothing. It's a but very I, good implementation. I've taken numerous screenshots already, and it's it's just, it's that kind of game. You really want to be taking screenshots. Yep, and and you can tell that they knew this uh, while working on it because of the fact that the photo mode is so easily accessible at all times. Um, like you can just basically, you know, obviously you you'll want to adjust and like do the photo mode stuff and kind of dial your picture in, but it's it's kind of the equivalent of having a camera on you as you're playing and just being able to say like, oh shit, like this is great, and clicking your sticks and taking the picture. Right? Yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, otherwise, though, like I'm trying to think, like. It, the combat is, oh, you might be able to speak to this a little better than I can for not having, since I haven't played the more contemporary Assassin's Creed b- games, but it feels like the character movement is very loose and much more like, I don't know, at the right. It feels all, it's not like a platformer, but like Phoenix's jump is like really huge and floaty, right? Um, movement feels very forgiving in a way. Uh, but it does also this weird, the thing, uh, like that the Witcher does where as you are La- running around Witcher. the world, what launch Witcher launch Witcher three did this. I mean, it kind of did this post patch too, but it's not as bad. Um, where like you change directions while you're running and it's not like the souls games where you just, your character just, you know, snaps into a different direction immediately. Um, and actually come to think of it like a lot of games do this, although a lot of games have figured out how to smooth it out. Um, Phoenix will do just like a little bit of a more realistic, like, Hey, like I can't just, I can't just rotate 90 degrees. Like I need to, you know, take a couple of steps to get there. And so, um, yeah, launch Witcher three was really bad. This feels more like the post adjustments to Witcher three. Uh, so it's like refined mm-hmm. and it's a little weird at first. Cause you're just so used to, well, and I've been playing so much Hades lately where like you just, you know, that game is tuned for quick movement and just, you know, it's 
you point whatever direction you point the stick immediately and that's that um so there was also just sort of that adjustment but um but yeah i don't know it just the whole thing feels really forgiving like right like timing windows on parries and dodges are super generous and like enemies telegraph their attacks really cleanly uh so it's it's pretty easy to pull those off i still screw them up all the time because i'm bad at video games but well, you don't um, parry that's you just you're staunchly against it <laughs> right uh on principle i refuse to parry uh that's actually not entirely true anymore <laughs> with that game i've learned that that's uh it's a good way to it's a good way to actually engage in combat but like you can dodge like by leaping 10 feet off to the side instantaneously and you know kind of as many times as you want um you know you just you mash the attack button a bunch um it's it's this is I wouldn't. The combat isn't mindless though, because you really do have to think about what you're doing, so you don't get pummeled, and, yeah. and the enemies will mess you up. Yeah, especially the larger ones. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, the big ones will really get you. Um, so you have to be engaged, but it's not complex, right? It's it's easy to reason about. Um, so that's I don't know. I I, I kind of like it. Um, it is it uh, is very similar to Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, I mean, okay. for obvious reasons that we already talked about, but I mean, I would say that they are like loosened it's like they really loosened the screws on every aspect around the combat because you mm -hmm. are right like she she or they feel like very lightweight they yeah. um don't require so much time like nuanced timing on parrying where like even in odyssey you kind of have to get the timing just right for a parry to, to work in your favor and but i mean like the, the combat itself is identical in in terms of like the button presses so yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of like transat like transitional like knowledge that you can impart into playing Immortals from having played Odyssey. Yep, that makes sense. And it, it, uh, to hear you tell it, Immortals borrows pretty heavily from some of Odyssey's other systems in terms of how like gear progression works and how um, like spending your your points and your different skills works, etc. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, there's also, uh, you can equip whatever gear you want for whatever bonuses or kind of protection. Like, most of the armor in this game is buffs. Like, what it's going to do for you, it's not really a, <clears throat> like, stat-based kind of thing. It's it's just really what it's going to do for you and how you play. And But if if maybe that, like item is not visually appealing you can change it to look like anything else you've already acquired which is exactly how it is in in odyssey and valhalla and it's a smart system because yeah the worst thing is having to equip something that you just don't like the look of right yeah and then like and that's a, th a thing that's been a problem with games for for years where you get your armor that looks cool and that you want to wear, but the actual bonuses it gives you aren't as good as this other set that looks kind of dumb um, or that you don't like the design of, right? So, yeah, I love this idea of put on whatever you want, make it look however you want. Um, and, like, you know, Diablo 3 did this. Like, games have been doing this, but, I, I again, it's one of those things that you don't see enough of. Um, I think they should all do this. <laughs> and it's just so hassle-free. It's a, it's a couple button presses and you've swapped out the look and it's not a thing. Yeah. Um, exactly. You get some wings in this game. 
You do. And like real soon. And uh, so I, I did a test. So okay. I I jumped off a really high thing and I started gliding with my wings. And when you do that, that consumes stamina. Yes. And when the stamina runs out, you fall. However, it's a controlled descent. So if you're however high, you don't come crashing to the ground. You slowly fall to the ground and you're completely safe. Oh, that's great. I was wondering about that. Yeah, you kind of freaked out on stream. <laughs> I was worried that I was going to fall to my death, but like I shouldn't have worried because it's clearly not that kind of game. Like it's not out to punish you. No, and it's it's I mean, it's just that's kind of the natural instinct. That's what you will think when it happens, yeah. but it is it is a controlled descent and it's great. It it that's feels fantastic. good. You don't you don't uh I think as far as I can tell, you don't get any more forward movement. You just go straight down, but maybe just made like a very tiny amount of like forward momentum. I see. Uh, I got myself a horse. Yeah. Uh, you can tame horses and kind of just call them at will. Like you can be running down a hill and just call it and it just materializes and you just jump on it and go. And it's just, it's awesome. It's like, what's up? I'm a horse. It's, it is the smoothest transition you could ask for. It's awesome. Love it. Um, yeah, so I, I really liked this game. I was worried that it was going to be, I was worried that it was just going to end up not really measuring up, uh, or that it was going to feel like it suffered from a lot of the same problems that these, these games typically do, but I, I've been pleasantly surprised. It's, it's really lighthearted. It's fairly witty. The writing is, is oh, good. it is, it is littered with jokes. It is, it is. And it's, and they're not like, they're not cringe. Like they're, they're general, genuinely funny. Um, and the characters are actually pretty enjoyable to interact with. And I, I, yeah, it's just, it's, it's really, it's, it's been a very pleasant surprise. Um, it is kind of the most exciting thing that they've released. I think so. I, I think this is like, if you got to pick one of the three big Ubisoft releases from this quarter, I think this is the one, um, for my money anyway. And I know a lot of Assassin's Creed diehards will be like, you're ridiculous. But I, I honestly think like this is for me, this is where the most fun is. Um, and I am excited to keep playing it more when I have a working computer again. Oh no. Uh, yeah. Um, you just built it, but I did. I just built this computer and it turns out it's got problems. Um, so I didn't play any more immortals really well, I played like an hour, 30 minutes, like 30 minutes more after what I streamed just to kind of mess around with some other stuff. Um, and then we got uh, we got a monitor in for review from LG. It's like a 4K, um, one millisecond response time, 120 hertz screen. It's gorgeous. Uh, I, I will be writing some thoughts up on that soonish. Um, but while I was testing it, uh, I was running benchmarks uh, just to kind of see you know how things look in 4k and also it was a good excuse to really test the 3080 out and push it to its limit uh and that is where the rest of my system got pushed to its limit and uh the short version is i don't have a functioning gaming pc right now um i've narrowed it down to like one of two things but the most likely issue is that the power supply that i bought is it turns out like well documented over the last two months as being highly incompatible with the 30 series cards. There's something about the way that they draw power that this power supply doesn't do well with, despite being an 850 watt, like 
gold braided um PSU. It's it should be fine, but there's oh, I didn't, some I didn't realize I was talking to royalty. Gold? Listen, man, gold is like low on the totem pole for ratings these days. Like gold used to be the standard and now like you know, there's titanium rating, there's platinum rating, there's like all these other tiers of of PSU ratings above gold. So I'm like gold is gold the new is bronze. Yeah, like, I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> it's definitely like you know, it's it's like you probably shouldn't buy anything less than gold at this point. I would say, uh, certainly not if you're going to be running a, a lot of intense hardware. Um, anyway, so I'm waiting to have some RMAs processed on that and, and one other component. But uh, so so as a result of that, I haven't played a lot of Immortals, but I have been playing more Hades on the Switch. Weird. <laughs> Yeah, it's bizarre. So now that this is a third week in a row, I'm going to really keep this limited. This will be just the Hades check-in. Um, so since we last spoke, I have defeated my father twice. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I've, I have like finished runs now, which is great. I've, I've successfully escaped. Um, and I've touched on this before, and I will say it again. Hades does the thing that is remarkable, which basically no other roguelike has successfully done, which is it has come up with excellent story justification for why you have to keep going. Oh, Um, good. I don't want to say anything else, but there is a reason it keeps going other than just like, I don't know. Like, I didn't even really put much thought into it. Like, well, once you escape, like, why would you go back? I figured there'd be some contrivance, but it's actually quite good. Um, and uh, it's it's been really weird playing these two games, like, in close proximity to each other, which both are very much, like, deep into the Greek mythology thing. Um, like, they're all about it. Yeah. And, and they're two very different flavors of it. Um, and, and Hades is much darker, more self-serious and it is funny and charming, charming and witty in its own way. Um, but again, it's totally, totally different. Um, and so I guess the, the thing that I would say is that, uh, where if Immortals is like, if it, where Immortals is Assassin's Creed meets Breath of the Wild meets Disney's Hercules, (laughs) right? Okay. Um, I'm tracking, you know? like upbeat, you know, uh, entertaining, etc. Um, Hades is much more like proper Greek tragedy, I would say. Um, and I'll leave it at that, but there's very good story stuff going on with why Zagreus has to keep trying to escape. Uh, it's, it's great. It, I, I fucking love it. Um, I, I don't know how many more times I have to get out to see credits roll. I'm guessing it's like eight more. I think you have to do I'm guessing based on things I'm seeing in the codex, you have to do like 10 runs, but it, I don't know. The way story advancement works in that game is interesting. Um, but that's also like a very specific event that you don't have to wonder whether you're moving things forward or not when when you successfully get out and see the next thing happen. Okay. Anyway, I still love that game. Um that is a. I'm just gonna put it out there now. Like this is is easily in my top five for the year, if not, you know, a contender for the the number one slot for me. Oh man, we gotta um, get these. We gotta do our top tens here soon, very soon. I know, I know, we do. We're gonna we're gonna have to start cranking them out. Um, and then for the Hades cross save check in, that feature is still not in the game. Um, All right. But you know they'll they'll get it in there eventually. Well, we'll see what so happens yeah, next week. Yes, we will. Uh, 
we will indeed. Maybe, maybe something magical will have changed by then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sigh. That monitor is freaking gorgeous, though, by the way. Yeah. Um, did, oh, my um, gosh. Did you get a chance before things went kaput? Did you get a chance to play Yakuza 0 on it? No, I didn't. Uh, I think that was literally going to be the next thing that I loaded up when I actually had a chunk of time to sit down and play instead of just run benchmarks. Um, I was going to I was going to load Yakuza up and see how that looked, but it was not to be, unfortunately. Did, but you, did you put more time into that between last week and now? Zero? No, didn't. I got to put zero more time into Yakuza <laughs> Zero uh, because of putting time into Immortals and uh, not having a lot of gaming time over the long weekend actually and then now this with with a very sad very dark silent box sitting on my desk um but i will say um so i'll say a couple of things about both the monitor and the video card um I have not been totally sold on 4K gaming as like a thing that I need to have in my life, uh, like other than, you know, my TV maybe and like a console. But even then, like y you expect some level of concessions uh, with console hardware, even though we know the new generation of machines is actually very impressive. Right. Um, but going from a 1440p 165 hertz display that I'm very happy with to seeing what a 4k version like a 4k display looks like at the same size and the same viewing distance it's like it's just the level of clarity and sharpness on a 4k gaming monitor is really amazing um and i was i was also very impressed by the fact that the 3080 can output 4k at very high frame rates um at ultra settings on everything i tested it on which is just fucking nuts to me. Like, oh yeah, you know, I, like I ran the Shadow of the Tomb Raider benchmark, and granted, that's a couple of years old now, but ran that on fully max settings uh, in 4K, and you know, it was doing like a well over 100 frames a second. I wish I could remember it off the top of my head. And that's with uh, RTX enabled and all that. No, jazz? no, no, that's that's with that's with none of the RTX features. Ah. That's just 4K native, no DLSS, no RTX, nothing. Um, with DLSS turned on and no arch no ray tracing features, the frame rate jumps up by like 15 to 20%. And the DLSS implementation in, in Shadow of the Tomb Raider is very, very good. So you don't see a lot of the, some, the, the problems you sometimes see with DLSS in games is, is noise and, and weird deformations at times. And like, that's just not there at all. Like it's really hard for me to tell the difference between running the game in 4k native versus 4k dlss um so that's that's amazing um and this is like the, 4k is is like the best way to show off what dlss is capable of by the way um like it really makes the case for it effectively awesome um with ray trace shadows turned on and dlss turned on like performance came back down a bit but um still pretty high and then I think with with ray trace shadows on and DLSS off, it was like around sixty five to seventy. Uh, if is that right? Maybe not. I have to, I don't know. I have all these benchmark files saved, um, <laughs> but it you know it's it's just it's nuts to see what the what this hardware can do. And then like similarly, like Watch Dogs performs really well, uh, even at four K. 
Uh, and also watchdogs. Here's, here's the, the wild thing, which I already told you about, uh, while I was testing it. So I play watchdogs Legion typically in 1440 P when I'm, testing it out or playing it and it's a pretty good benchmark i think for stuff um to an extent and so what did i say like running a native 1440p with none of the bells and whistles it's like 80 to 90 frames a second i think yeah. or even more i think actually in in, in in some environments like well over 100 kind of depends on where on the map you're at um and then like, you know, turning ray traced reflections and DLSS on, like it kind of stays pretty static around like 75 to 80. Um, and so I expected that by turning that game up to 4K, I was going to get some performance issues or like some frame drops uh, or like just lower counts, I guess. And the numbers were the same. The numbers were exactly the same. Not expected. <laughs> Uh, and, and probably not exactly like, you know, minor variants, but basically the same, not expected at all. And I even turned the game back down to 1440 P on the 4k monitor just to test and make sure I wasn't losing my mind or make sure there wasn't like a performance patch that had drastically improved 1440 P and lower resolution performance. And it had no changes. Like it was same frame rates. And so what that tells me is what we kind of already know about Ubisoft games in general, um, but that game in particular is incredibly CPU bottlenecked or, or you know, limited by the CPU to run the simulation. Um, like the fact that the 3080 could still churn out the same frame rates at 4K uh, was like, holy shit. Uh, number one, this this card is a beast. Number two, this looks incredibly clear and crisp and and you know really pretty on this screen. Number three, you need a beefy CPU to run this thing at anything faster, right? <laughs> like, woof, boy. So I mean, where does where does that put you in terms of like 4K gaming? I mean, you know, here's the thing: is is I I'm much more. I see the case for it now, um, and especially if you're building uh, a computer that has, you know, one of NVIDIA's flagship cards in it from the 30 series or one of AMD's new flagship cards, right? Something capable of running 4K consistently at high frame rates. And if you've got the money to throw at it, yeah, it makes a ton of sense. It's it's awesome. It's really, really cool. It's an expensive, um, like, enthusiast tier thing in my opinion i don't think it's for most people this monitor that i were that we're looking at it retails for like 800 dollars by itself right it's the cost of the graphics card um doubled so mm -hmm. you're not getting into this if you're not already willing to spend a lot of money right yeah and if you're interested in 4k gaming and if you don't care that much about platform you would almost be better off just buying a 4k tv and getting one of the newest gen consoles when you can get your hands on one, right? Like that's the cheapest path to it. And I think the the impression is still going to be the same, which is that it's going to be incredible. Um, I would even say that like, you know, the, the Nvidia's cards, you know, the Ampere cards are, are clearly extremely capable. And Watch Dogs Legion isn't even necessarily the best test case for this just because it is limited um, by the simulation it has to run and, and you know, whatever CPU bound things that are happening. <laughs> um, so what I want to know is like, 
what does the shelf life for the 30 series cards look like for 4K gaming over the next two years as game engines continue to, you know, kind of push limits and get more intricate and complex in what they're doing? Um, are these cards going to be able to keep up? And I think NVIDIA's intent is, and, and AMD's with their, whatever their competing technology is, is um, DLSS is the answer to that, right? Like, yeah. yeah, throw whatever you want at us. We can solve this with another, you know, with a, a combination software and hardware solution. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you've got the scratch, sure, like do it. It's awesome. Um, I don't think it makes sense for a lot of people just yet. And I'm like, Look, if they were going to let me keep this thing, absolutely, I would keep it and I would game in 4K, probably. Uh, also, to that effect, um, the upscaling on this 4K screen is really great. Like if you set 1440p as your native resolution, uh, it it still looks very good. Um, and that's a testament maybe to LG's like LG's, uh, you know, image processors and their panels are very, very good. So, yeah that's that's not too surprising to me um, no especially if you consider their tvs which have had to deal with you know 480p and 720p on 4k exactly displays yeah like they kind of almost have to get this right right and and to an extent like that is kind of what you're buying is is an lg 4k tv just you know in a monitor form uh and of course like some of the tech is going to be different um but you're getting their expertise in this area for buying their hardware. And that's that's not something to ignore if you're considering moving into the 4K space. And the fact that they can give you a 4K IPS panel with 120 hertz refresh rate, one millisecond response times, um, it's a very impressive piece of kit. Life's good, man. Life is good. Uh, also really funny, like they call this line the Ultra Gear line and the little like ultra gear logo on the back is like a stylized ug that could also look like an lg not an accident oh. um yeah anyway it's a that's a it's a it's a damn fine monitor i i hope to do some more testing with it once i um once i get this computer back up and running <laughs> well hopefully that gets resolved very quickly and that's what you think it is and then the power supply is all that needs to be replaced mm-hmm I hope so. If not, I'm going down the list and I'll replace every damn part in this thing if I have to, <laughs> because everything's under warranty and it's under within return windows. So it's fine. I don't have to spend any money doing it. It's just going to be tedious. It's just time. But it is just time. So depending, we'll see. We'll check in next week and we'll see if I have a working PC again or not. Yeah. So we got to add another section. Yes. The, the weekly is, does Evan have a working PC check in? <laughs> Son of a bitch. Um, Yep. Well, I may not have I may not have a corner to bash in, so we can, we can make room for another check in. Oh, thank goodness! Yeah, we can just clear out some space in your bashing corner. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're not running out of space here. We can we can put as many check ins and corners as we like. No, this, this is ours. This is an infinite studio. Oh my gosh! Think of the possibilities. <sighs> um, so Cyberpunk is coming out next week. Maybe. I mean, we think we're pretty sure. I feel like there's some sort of uh, line that they've crossed that they can't go back from, and uh, yeah, I think they have to be committed to this release date now. I don't think, I don't think they can come to anybody in the eleventh hour and say no, we're we we really can't make it this time. 
I mean, how the last couple times they did this, how close were they to the previous dates when they pushed the dates out? Like, was it a week? Was it? I feel I don't like, I, I don't know, but I feel like it was two weeks or, or more. I feel like it was it was enough in advance. Yeah, I think they I think we, we're within the the window now where it's like it's a done deal. It's got to be. I, I'm scared. What if I don't For like what? it? What if I don't like it? What if it's somehow not good? What I if, don't. What if the hype train has deceived me? Um. Well, that'll be a problem, I guess. It's gonna feel bad, but I, I don't really it, think that, though. I just no. But it's a thought. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it's the same problem you always get with a massive release like this, where hype has been building for so many years, and Is it seven years. At least five. I mean, they teased it after the release of The Witcher 3. Um, uh, 77 reveal. Oh, no. Wow. Holy shit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Tell Announced us. Announced in May of 2012? Oh, wow. I was close. That can't be right. No. <gasps> yeah, there's a teaser. Tr- Holy shit. They've been teasing this game since 2012. They even had a... The logo has barely changed. Oh, my God. Even The Witcher 3's changed. I'm shocked. Teaser trailer was released in January of 2013. At E3 2019... Okay, well, whatever. Anyway. Yeah, so they did tease this, but, like, I'm, I'm so confused. Uh... Yeah, because The Witcher 3 came out in May 2015. I don't even remember hearing anything about Cyberpunk prior to The Witcher 3's release, so either I wasn't paying attention or my memory is garbage. <laughs> I mean, I, I do seem to remember... Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I seem to remember Cyberpunk like being talked about in the same conversation with Witcher, Witcher 3 before either that of them came out. Because it, it seemed That's like wild. Cyberpunk was like primed for like 2017 or 2018. Like it wasn't that far behind Witcher 3, really. Yeah. 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 So they've been working on this game for around nine years now. That's wild. I wonder how much of the original stuff is even still there, like conceptually or story wise. Yeah. I, you got to wonder. So I just, yeah, well, I don't know. I like, I, I think it's actually going to release. I like I said. I think they've reached the point of no return, and they can't undo this. Yeah, no, commit. it's coming out. Right, it's out. It's it's coming, man. Uh, it's just kind of a weird time because it's like we've got top ten lists to write, and mm-hmm. I know that this game is going to be on almost every single one of them. But it's just so hard because you've got to commit time, like. I've already got a backlog of games from this year. I've beaten a lot of games this year because because of COVID, but uh, <laughs> there's still a lot that came out this year specifically that I want to get to, and having a brand new game in December is really not ideal for me. No, well, especially not one of this scope, and it's going to take so long to play through. Like, if The Witcher 3 is any indication, which I think is fair, um, 
I mean, sure, you could put 10 hours into Cyberpunk and probably have a pretty good idea of how good it is and what you've got and where it sits on your list. But it's still not the same thing as, you know, having ample time to play through the story to its completion to see if it really resolves in a way that feels fulfilling. And if, you know, if it delivers on the promise completely, Um, because like, you know, as great as so many of the Witcher 3 side quests were, its main storyline quest was also very strong. Right. Um, which is not always the case with big games like this. And so I don't know, like maybe, maybe it won't matter that much, but I, I think it, I think it will, especially for how much they've talked about the story and how central the story is to this game. And there's um, multiple. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So, it's going to be a tough one to talk about in the context of a like end of year top 10 uh, or whatever, like a top, top however many. <laughs> um, unless you somehow were able to just take a week off from life and binge it, which, you know, some people can do, but that ain't us. So. No, it's certainly not. But, you know, I, I do think with, with like, like I said, with like, you know, 10 hours or so worth of gameplay, you'll probably have a pretty good idea of where it lands. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that. I just, I, it's almost, almost unfair to pretty much everything else because if this thing is going to eclipse everything that's come out this year, it's just kind of unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, a, it's been a wild year. But for games, that's kind of, but... that's kind of the thing though, is like actually uh, many games have actually uh, escaped into 2021 because because <laughs> of cyberpunk's actual committed release date right there are games yeah. like uh i'll have to look it up but there are are many games uh, yeah there were there were there were games that just saw that updated release date and were like yeah i'm gonna it's gonna bounce into the next one yeah. you, you do your thing i mean i wouldn't want to to get in the way no no one would want to compete with that like god can you well you know there is that question of like why would ubisoft try and crank out three giant titles before you know in in such close succession to one another maybe cyberpunk is part of the answer to that i don't know um yeah that i mean that could be but also maybe not i it's who can say yeah like so uh the medium is a psychological horror game was going to come out in December, but they've moved it to January now, late January. Yeah, and I guess like that's interesting because it's it's probably a lot of games. I hate to say smaller, but like it, it may be a lot of smaller games um, that would be more affected by this release, right? Um, I don't know. Oh, like I remember, like Path of Exile's new season got pushed out to yeah, next, that was uh, definitely to January. Yeah, um, because their whole model relies on. Uh, the upfront influx of traffic and microtransactions in the first like couple of weeks of a new season, right? And so they were scheduled to come out the same week as Cyberpunk, and they just said, well, that's suicide uh, <laughs> for us. So, you know, uh, I mean, Halo Infinite got pushed back, but I don't think that was anything to do with Cyberpunk. <laughs> no, I do think, I, th- I, I almost want to think that like some of these are like the developers going, hey, I want to play that. I don't want to have to worry about releasing a game too. Maybe. Um, 
I also think this year has just been exhausting for literally everyone and people are burnt out and um, trying to crunch to get a game done right now just sounds really, really like a bad time. Well, that's a whole other conversation when you're talking about cyberpunk because that game <laughs> is notorious about its crunch despite them saying that they didn't want to do it. Right. And then still had to do it. So I, I kind of want this game to be out and for them to just kind of go into maintenance mode and relax, maybe yeah, man. sleep for the first time in nine years. I don't know. Whatever they need to do, I, I just want it to be out for those reasons. But again, I, I if it's going to eclipse like I think it's going to, I, I just, it sucks for the games like Ghost of Tsushima, which reviewed really well. And mm-hmm. it's not to say that it's just going to do it by default. People are going to, you know, organize their lists. They're going to talk about the things that meant the most to them. And, you know, that's fine. They're going to, if if Ghost of Tsushima was better than, than Cyberpunk or they're not getting Cyberpunk or whatever, it's going to be the top of their list. But, right. you know, you've got Last of Us Part 2, Half-Life Alex. if you've got uh, VR, the Demon mm-hmm. Souls remakes, Flight Simulator, uh-huh. Doom Eternal. Yeah. What if I told you that the Final Fantasy VII remake came out this year? I mean, I, that is one that I, I do know came out because I was so excited for that, even though I didn't get to play it. But yeah, that feels like forever ago. Uh, Ori 2. Oh, yeah. Like, these these are like the top reviewed games of the year. That, you know, I mean, people are going to have to kind of like look back and see what came out. But Cyberpunk could just dominate everyone's lists everywhere it might and and you know to be fair if it's really that good of a game it would do that regardless yeah but there's definitely that element of like oh man you know it has the benefit of being the most recent big giant release so it's just gonna be on people's minds so it's gonna monopolize yeah thoughts yeah very much so well that should be interesting to uh finally get our hands on and let's see so that comes out the 10th Yes. So actually, I don't. What the what day is that on the calendar? <laughs> I think that's after. We won't we won't have had time to play it, but uh, when we record next. No. We're gonna we're gonna that's gonna be like two weeks for impressions uh, on the podcast. Yeah, yes. I don't know when or if we're getting it. So. Right. Well, that too. Uh, I guess there's the you know. Could always do like a cyberpunk focused episode. Oh yeah, I guess if we if we had the time and inclination, who knows? <sighs> well, anyway, one way or the other, I'm sure we will play it. So, I mean, we have to. It is it is our duty. Yes, we must. Um, I think, I think we done did it. We did. We did it again. I think we we did it again. We exhausted the list and and made a big giant audio file congratulations to us yay us uh, well do you have any parting shots before we go into the thing anything uh, else you want to get off your chest no i just if you're gonna buy stuff don't wait because it'll go away because buying anything uh and oh during this pandemic means it's going to go quickly. So just don't yeah. sit on things if you want something. 
yeah, that's that's good advice. Yeah, I'm having to wait longer to get replacement parts because of this issue. Uh, all right, well, that is going to do it for this week then. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us on QuickSafe. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at EV underscore Row. That's R-W-E. Scott, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on the Twitters at Hawk underscore S-E. And uh, Fantastic. savingcontent.com, obviously, for, you know, we, we put out news. We'll, we got our reviews going up. Um, those are going to start to slow down as we transition to end-of-year stuff. But uh, reviews as they happen will be going up. Yep. Uh, my review for Immortals uh, just went up this week, so go check that out. Um, should have an LG monitor review sometime soon. <laughs> uh, but yeah, top 10 articles will... Uh, or start coming out in a few weeks as well. So keep an eye out for those. Uh, if you have questions that you'd like to have answered on the podcast uh, or corrections that you would like to send in, please note we are not accepting corrections at this time. Please do send them to quicksave at savingcontent.com. Until next time, you know what they say. McRib is back, baby. McRib is back, baby. Oh.